Good afternoon. I'm Chief James Gallagher with the Bloomfield Township Police Department, and welcome to our Community Readiness Podcast. Today with me is Officer uh, Kelly McGraw. She is our school liaison officer for the last year yeah. uh, at, our, at our high school, at all the schools in Bloomfield Township. Uh, most of their time, unfortunately, is spent at the high school. Um, however, Kelly, um, last time we were here, we talked about our recruiting efforts, um, our partnerships with our community and how important they are. And it was important to bring you on today because we know one of the greatest assets that we have in our agency is our partnership with our schools. Uh, so our schools are one of the backbones of our community and, and what makes them so great. Um, we have, I think, what, 26 school, 26, 26, 29 school yep. buildings, somewhere around there, uh, buildings in Bloomfield Township with private and public schools. So your job is busy. Very busy. Yeah. Um, and you're not only, well, we focus on our public schools. You also work with the private schools as well, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, and we talked last time about recruiting. How long have you been with Bloomfield Township? Uh, just over 20 years now. With us. Wow. That's, I'm, so, oh, no, I'm sorry. Over 16 years. Okay. Yes. Yes. Before okay. years. And, and you're one of the ones who came from another agency prior. Yes. So, uh, which we pride ourselves mm -hmm. on, right? Um, what's your experience in our department? What, what type of things have you done with our agency? So when I started here uh, 16 years ago, um, obviously I did road patrol mostly nights. Um, from there, I started doing um, evidence tax uh, work. So that's the investigation of the crime scene. And then from there, I went to our defensive tactics. So I'm an instructor for the officers at um, for the department. So we do our tactics and then um, the women's self uh, defense. And I run that with Marissa and several other officers. Yeah, and we know you've been really successful at that. And even the self-defense class being in the schools. Yep, you, we'll you, have those next month. Yeah. Um, we'll offer them to Bloomfield Hills High School, um, uh, International Academy, uh, a large amount of the people that will attend will probably be seniors that are going off to college. And then sometimes um, there are private schools will request us to go over there. Yeah, which are which is an important role kind of for the parents, right? For, it's a, yes, it's a I huge, mean, it's for them, it's huge to know that, you know, when they're sending the, their daughters off to college that they, you know, have a little bit of a background and some, some, some knowledge to bring yeah. with them. And we offer that for free of charge at this time, correct? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, as we get back to the partnerships with our schools, I mentioned at the beginning that we spent a lot of time um, at our high school, and that's obviously because the primary, I mean, a lot of the things in nature that we have to deal with are the older kids. And one of the challenges that uh, you face is dividing your time um, between these 29 school buildings. Uh, yes. You know. It's, it's huge um, just because you have, you know, you'll have a different case that comes in here uh, and you're kind of spread out where you have to, you know, go to a certain school or maybe an incident took place outside of school, but it revolves back in. And so you have to make up your time, prioritize, um, and then, you know, with the, you know, the remaining is just to be out there and to have that community, you know, to talk to the kids. Right. And that's Superintendent Watson made the kind of a big deal about that when he started, yes. when, you know, he started pre-COVID, just, mm -hmm. just before COVID. And then obviously some of the major police incidents across the country that have looked terrible for law enforcement um, is instead of pulling us away from the students, he wants us to know the students. Yes. And, and that's an important role that you and, and our school security officer, uh, Officer Miller, play with the students. It's not only, here I am, this officer in uniform, yep. but you want to develop relationships. We want to develop a relationship um, with the students when it's not in regards to a criminal matter or even, you know, maybe something um, 
a lecture, we want to involve ourselves just on a friendly note, um, in a class, giving a presentation, playing on the playground. Uh, and those are th things that we do do. Uh, wish we had some more time, but Officer Miller and, our, Miller and I, we try to divide. She does a lot more with our middle schools um, and some of the elementaries, and then we divide it up for presentations. So we, there's a ton of programs, if the, even if the teachers reach out to us and ask. We have um, uh, for our health class, we talk about substance abuse. Um, we also talk about social media at certain classes. Officer Miller puts on a sixth grade presentation, and that's to all the sixth grades in Bloomfield Hills, and that's to our public schools. She puts on a presentation for them because they'll be entering um, the beginning of middle school and getting them prepared for that. Yeah, and that's typically when we see some of the behaviors change yep. as kids go to middle school. So we try to we try to get to the students before and try to help with some of the decision-making processes, yes. but also give them kind of that one-on-one -on -one connection with officers. Yep. And, you know, one of the other things that we do frequently with our schools, and I, I know you guys are in the schools all, the, all day long, um, outside of some of the investigations that take you out of the schools, is that our officers are encouraged, every patrol officer is encouraged to do school checks, whether it's during the day, um, going through the buildings, or even at night when there's sporting events or what might be a school play or something to get in and be, be seen, get recognized our uniforms that we're always not there um, when the enforcement action needs yes, to take place. And, they, and that's it's one of the things is, is we want um, our students, our youth, to see an officer because if they meet them outside, they're going to be in a uniform. And with those uniforms coming in and having that relationship on a, a, a basically a interaction level, it's, it's good for them to know, and you never know if there's a question. And it's, it's just a great relationship to build between the officers and the students, and also for our officers to, under, to, to see the layouts of the schools. That's a huge thing, too. Yeah, and that's one of the things we talked about last podcast, too, is our community readiness. It's obviously what this is about, but we don't want our officers in the schools for the first time yes. when an incident could be happening or even if it's a false alarm, we want to be able to get to the area of a school, but there's 29 buildings. Yes. And, and so there's a lot. So we, we want our officers to feel more comfortable in those buildings. And we want the staff and the students to understand that we're always not there just in an enforcement role. If, and I, there's been plenty of times where I've driven by a school and saw an officer's car parked out front and they might be on the playground. Um, you know, yeah, it takes us away from road patrol duties sometimes, but it's also that that interaction yeah. the young ones love it when the officers come there during recess that's one of their favorite things they they love the uniform they like to ask what everything is on the, their their belt um especially if you go there you toss a ball play tag things like that the younger the younger students love it yeah so let's talk a little bit so we obviously know why your roles are so important to have that partnership to have um the kids be able to trust us because again, we do see the national news and we do pay attention to that mm -hmm. to make sure we're not the example of what not to be right. We want to be the leaders in our area and, and have the best practices and the best community. Um, Marissa's role is a little bit different, yes. right? She, I mean, she does obviously supplement the investigation yes. aspects, but she does a lot, some of the more, uh, administration planning, ensuring the EpiPens, ensuring the AEDs and, and the things in our schools, ensuring that the officers, one of the big deals that um, we have that we've seen across the nation is that every car has, has a key, a key fob. Yeah. So that our officers, especially, it, well, we now have what, Birmingham and Bloomfield Hill Schools? We have Birmingham, Bloomfield Hill Schools, and I believe Cranbrook. Okay, um, which is important because we may be- Co-responder. Yeah, yeah. Our, 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 Agencies are so intertwined with the schools as a part of Bloomfield yes. Township has what West Bloomfield Schools, uh, yep. Bloomfield Township, Birmingham, 
Yes, uh, and that's the, the biggest thing is our, our building a relationship with our other school liaisons. Um, we work, you know, it's not a problem to call up Birmingham or West Bloomfield, even Beverly Hills, and, and you know, to assist each other in something that's needed. Yeah, and that, that's great. So we talk um, back in, it was probably October-ish, we did a presentation, myself and the sheriff, uh, the county prosecutor, and then our local agencies um, around us, uh, Chief Patton from West Bloomfield and uh, now Chief Gormley in Bloomfield Hills. We did a video talking about the school threats and the threat assessments and kind of encouraging students not to make threats and be careful what they say when they might just be angry at something yeah. and they don't, they, they mean absolutely no intention of harm of the students or, or school directly. But when people hear things, we now have to take an active role and investigate those. How many, this school year, how many do you think you, between? Uh, I'd say between the two of us, maybe a couple dozen. Yeah. So yeah. let's just say mid, you know, 25, we'll, we'll round it up and say we have that number. Um, how time consuming is that for our agency when we have to do one threat assessment? So just one threat assessment could lead to several days of investigation. And then, and what I mean by that is that you are doing a home visit, uh, talking to the parents, doing a background, um, and now with these electronics, which seem to be coming to most the majority of the play, it's you know either obtaining a search warrant, a consent search, and then that is sent off to a, a basically a computer crime lab. And depending on when you get it back, uh, just to the amount of data that are that's on one of those cell phones, because that's a student's life. Uh, could take literally looking through it a whole day or or more. Right, and that's on top of we hope we don't have other major crimes yes. going on in the detective yep, bureau that are going on actively. And you and um, Marissa really handle all the youth crime. Yes, I mean yep. even though it may not always relate to a um, school, if we get a child protective service yeah. um, referral, then they get assigned to you guys, you, yeah. you two as well. So. We, as an agency, know how busy you guys are, but I think it's important for the community to understand and parents to understand when they have these conversations what resources that takes. And you don't do it by yourself. No. So a lot of these come in when? The, the threats, usually at the end of my day where I'm just getting home, and then yeah. I get the phone call around like 5 o'clock. And then in some of those, demand that we come right back in to investigate. Yeah, and... One of the things where it's hard to understand is that the the one person or the one subject who may have made a threat and, and completely did, did not mean yep. to, to do it, was more out of anger, out of lack of self-control for a few moments. Um, they, they just don't understand, again, the time that it comes into. It, it, but we have a responsibility. If you're at the high school, we have, I don't know how many kids, this 17. Is 1,700 students. Mm -hmm. So there's potentially 1,700 yes. other families that are relying on on us and our, and our credibility. To make sure that their kids are safe tomorrow. So at two in the morning, when we start on, you know, get an yeah. okay to say, we have to investigate that before the bell we rings at seven yeah. fifty-five. That's the biggest thing is getting, you know, then schools very good about reaching out to us and having us start so that they can go back into session the next day. So until we can, you know, get get that initial we need initial thing right now. We don't know potentially what could happen until that's done on law enforcement side. Right, and, it, and again, it, it, it's so important the why, right? We, we do it because we have a responsibility to everybody. To You and I growing up, this we were worried about a tornado drill, yeah. right? Um, Post 2000, you know, Columbine is where things really, and now it seems like 
I mean, I'd say it, it seems like once a month we're at least dealing with some type of school incident across this nation, but it hits home for everybody. Well, and, and I'm happy to say that most of them are, there's no, no intent or anything that goes along with that. But unfortunately, nowadays, we just, that's not a risk that we can take. So it has to be investigated. Yeah, that's it's scary sometimes when yeah. you think, and, and the man hours, and, and from a chief's perspective, you know, there was times where I'd come to you guys and ask you, are you getting any sleep? Because it <laughs> felt like you guys were here constantly. And our, your jobs are so important. And, and you can go back to past school liaison officers. If you go around the school, you'll hear now Officer Kelly or Officer Marissa, but you also still hear, hey, how is Officer Dave yep. doing or Officer Corey? And that history, that rich history we have with our schools, um, we appreciate that. And, and, and unfortunately, it's not like that everywhere. So I, we do have to give credit to Superintendent Watson um, and his administrative staff. There's too many to name um, for the proactiveness that they want with us um, in the schools so that the parents know who we are, the kids know who we are, and that if there is a problem at home or they need just a question to ask you, how do I deal with you guys can, you, you, you two ladies are there at officers that, to really kind of give them some guidance. Yeah, and it's, and it's great to be able to, for, you know, either staff to reach out and say, here's Officer McGraw, here's Officer Miller's information because they ask and that they can follow up and that we can work one-on-one -on -one with them because maybe the issue is stemmed from school, but now it's going um, into their home or their after school life and then we can be able to work together with them yeah and I, I know this past tuesday or monday i was in the school with you um and just I, you're working a case now and i know obviously we can't go into specifics but the parent came in and you just happened to be there to answer questions instead yep. of you know four hours later it, it, they they literally got the answers they needed that may have made changed the outcome of their day a yep. little bit of worrying about what you know what's going on yes yeah, so some cases are a little more extensive and having that um, approachable relationship with with a parent um, because a lot of times if it is a criminal investigation our as a liaison we have other avenues to help to you know keep a student out of basically the the criminal justice field, you know, to start a record. Those are, we have those other avenues. We have um, different ways that we can report things and, you know, the, with the prosecutor's office, they have a ton of different resources and with us being in between it, uh, we know that kids are kids and sometimes we, they don't, you know, as adults don't, they don't make the best choices. Sometimes, you know, our young um, adolescents don't make the best choices and, but it doesn't mean that we can't have something there for them, a different avenue. Right, Bloomfield Youth yep. Assistance comes mm -hmm. to my mind right away. I know yes. you, you know a lot more of the other intricacies of the prosecutor's office and, and dealing with the juvenile law, but let's talk a little bit about Bloomfield Youth Assistance and what the purpose or why we would use them. So they're probably, um, for at least myself, as um, our, the, the route I go, that is, you know, a student that may have, um, you know, I don't want to say a minor offense, but whether it's uh, an MIP type offense, those are something that we can do a referral to. Um, we sit down with the parents, we kind of explain it, we make an, make an agreement, and then I send it to the youth assistants. And what that does is that diverts the report to going to the prosecutor's office. Um, even sometimes when a report is sent to the prosecutors, the juvenile court, I should say, um, it can be diverted back to the youth assistant. And there, not only, you know, we think of like community service and things like that. They do have that, but they have other avenues. Maybe this person needs a class, things like that. Um, 
that, you know, what maybe there is a substance abuse problem that they need help with. And those are some assistance that they can sit down and figure out what specifically for this uh, student or youth, what do they need? What can we give them that will, you know, help them progress? Right. And, and we see it mostly with you brought up MIPs, which obviously this time of year, um, we're, com we're starting to wind down the seniors. Yeah. We obviously just had sports teams do very well. Um, so we start seeing more house parties with juveniles when parents aren't home. Um, and we do work close with the schools on that. Yes. And I know we've gotten questioned in the past of this happened off out, out of school hours. Why are we sharing it with, with the schools? Yep. Um, and, and our response to that is because of our partnership. Yes. And we do have avenues where that like a Bluefield Youth Assistance can help us without sending them through the court system. If we handle it by ourselves, we pretty much have, our, our only choice really is to send them through the court system where we work with the schools and we expect our student athletes especially, but all students to be a, the leaders coming forward yes. and to make right the good choices. When they make bad choices, they may have to deal with us um, or have interactions with us, but we can at least it doesn't always have to be you're going right into court and, and everyone's always worried about is this going to yep. affect the scholarship or admission to the colleges, which we know that doesn't it will not happen if it's a, it's a, like you say, a minor offense. Um, but it also encourages we, we had a recent uh, incident where we had students run from a home on a house party. And luckily, one was kind of injured when they left. And luckily, the officers helped find them yeah. or the, as cold as it was that night, we could have had a tragic outcome. Um, and that old adage or the old thought process of, oh, I'm going to get in trouble if I'm here, is what causes kids automatically to yes, run. Turn. Yes, you're going to, have to you're going to have to have an interaction with us, and hopefully we're going to have your parents come pick you up, and your parents are going to know what's going on. But it doesn't always mean that we're just going to be heavy-handed. Enforcement's the only way. We have a way to do education. We have a way to hopefully, if there is a problem, identify it and maybe help the family get the resources. And I think that's the biggest thing is that, um, yes, there, you know, there there is something going on, but you know, being respectful to each other and working through is a way that we can still you know investigate, but still have different avenues instead of you know what we typically you know here's your ticket or in things like that. Yes, there are definitely different avenues to go by. Yeah, um, you mentioned a few minutes ago social media. <laughs> and, and we like to say in the police department, and I know it's uh, some parents probably feel sometimes social media is the devil for us. Um, and students, and it really, um, it's a hard, it's such a, it's, it's the world we live in, right? Yes. Uh, we didn't have to deal with that. When we wanted to talk, we either had to call on a landline with a phone cord stretched across the house, or, um, you know, your parents really knew what you were doing with those, with, with our social media. But we can't encourage parents enough, one, to have passwords to phones, correct? You should absolutely have a password to your child's phone. Even a senior in high yes, school. you should have okay. the password. Um, you know, it really struggles when we ask people, oh, I, yes, well, I monitor my child's phone. And then they're like, but then like, well, what do you know the password? Oh, I don't know the password. Um, do you know if your child's social media is open to the public? How many accounts do you think they have? Um, those are some huge things that we, we find a lot if when we come into an investigation where it involves, um, the use of phone that the parent or guardian really has no idea what um, their child is doing on social media. Right. And we run into it a lot, a lot. It, it, especially at the early teenage years where the phones are used, where students are in either compromised positions or put themselves in compromised positions. Um, 
you know, we're, we're starting to see it more on these um, extortion scams yes. where we're sending, you know, they're, they're targeting students on their Instagram accounts for showing private parts or, or, or bodily parts that then they want, you know, to, you know, you now send me $5,000 or I'm releasing this to your social oh. media. So we're seeing a lot more um, where parents and in the students don't understand that there are certain laws out of there where we call for, you know, child pornography. When there is a photo taken of a minor um, that's, you know, under 18 and in a sexually explicit manner, that becomes child pornography. But the thing, the biggest thing that people don't understand, if that adolescent takes that photo of themselves or even a consensual one of another minor and then takes that, they are producing child pornography themselves and are guilty criminally. I'm sorry, not guilty, but they are, could technically, yeah. you know, they're be held responsible yeah, for and, and that's not our avenue is to look at that. We don't want to pursue that, but we can't express enough for the our young adults, I, I would say, not even, a, just do, don't take a photo of yourself in a sexually explicit manner because once that's out there, now we have to deal with the, the production of it, but then what what did you take that for who did you send that to usually we're not getting it just they taking it and keeping it in their phones they're sending it and then either to an unknown source and that's where the blackmailing part comes in or they're sending it to a significant other and when that relationship ends that becomes a blackmail source and then once and then if you publicly post that again now we're dealing with a distrib distribution right. of the child and it's an uncomfortable conversation for parents to talk about, but it's happening and we see mm -hmm. it several times throughout a school year. Yeah. And so it's important for us to address it um, because the, so the social media, the depression, the instant gratification, that's not, it, it, you know, if somebody doesn't like my post, the depression we're seeing is increasing and students, um, the family dis disputes that we go on that revolve around social media yep. and phones. Um, it just, it's so time consuming but it's also a threat to the well-being of our students. And it, it really is the students that we're, we're dealing with when it comes to this. And it, it's across the board. It's not just one group of students or one private versus public, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah, and you see it start young when the, the, the younger youth have it, they'll start, well, so-and-so is going to a party and they know about it and they're not invited or they're doing their talk, they have a group chat, but it doesn't contain another person. So it starts really little with those little things because you instantly know that you're not, you're excluded from a group or not, and there's no intention, but the, you know, our days, we never knew if we weren't yeah. invited to somebody's house and, you know, until a week later and then by then it's over with. And now it's got, it's moved to now, if I have harsh feelings about you, I'm not going to address you with face to face. I'm going to throw it on social media. social media and then someone else sees it. And the problem is, is that when you do that, you, you have freedom of speech, but then you throw a threat on there or anything else. Um, you know, if you threaten somebody to harm them, even if you, if, if I threaten somebody in my house, please still investigate those issues. So right. we still investigate issues that are on social media when we find out there's a threat. So a lot of people, well, it's, it's just a private threat. Well, it's really not private when you just uh, put it put on it us, on you know, put it, especially with 30 people. Yeah. So we can't encourage parents enough. Know your kids, your students, social media. It's yes. so important. So, Kelly, I appreciate you being with us today. I think it's so important that we talk about the partnership with our school. Uh, and, again, we will be back shortly.
Welcome back to our community community readiness podcast. Uh, each week, we're going to update some cases that we're investigating in the department uh, as best as we can. Obviously, some of these cases are under investigation still, and we're unable to provide uh, detailed information. But at the uh, last podcast, we talked about the elderly and getting scammed uh, and, the, and the type of phone scams or, or scams out there that are, are affecting our elderly. Uh, Recently, we released to the media that in December of 2022, we responded to a residence after the homeowner who was a 91 year old uh, found that about $26,000 in checks had been written uh, from her accounts and cashed. Uh, the investigation revealed that the in-home healthcare aid had fraudulently used those checks and uh, deposited those checks for $26,000. After a lengthy investigation, obviously it happened December of 2022, on March 9th of 2023, uh, we were able to arraign Brianna Burton on eight count felony warrant related to that fraud. Uh, again, so going back, we strongly encourage our residents to um, and, and family members to keep an eye on our, our your parents' checkbooks, their accounts regularly, retirement accounts. Uh, and if they're ever asking to buy gift cards or anything of that nature, please put an end to that. Uh, that, that does not happen over the phone. Um, we also had back on March 3rd uh, in the evening hours, we had a purse snatching at, uh, in the parking lot of our Nino Savaggios. Uh, this was not a purse snatching where, the, where an individual ran up and uh, ripped the purse off someone's shoulder. They used a distraction technique and pulled up next to our victim's vehicle, uh, distracted her, and then another subject went into the vehicle and stole her purse. Um, further investigation revealed that this crew, these, these individuals were responsible for several other similar types of crimes in and around Oakland County. And again, we talked about our concept teams and our special investigation teams. Our Troy Special Investigations Unit was able to identify a suspect uh, in, in coordination with our detective bureau here in Bloomfield Township. They were able to uh, put some surveillance on some individuals. And on Saturday, March 11th, just a couple days after ours, uh, we were able to arrest two individuals when they do the same exact thing out in Commerce Township. Uh, surveillance did show that they did scope out several other areas prior to finding a victim. Uh, they were very detailed in what they did. So those individuals were arrested uh, by the Sheriff's Department and Troy Special Investigations. Our most recent occurred just two nights ago, so on March 21st, and this press release uh, by Officer Soli is hot off the press. Um, at about 4.15 a.m., we had a resident in the uh, outside of the residence uh, Near our, near our library, and they saw an individual walking through a neighborhood. Um, that individual was attempting to break into vehicles uh, and find unlocked vehicles. Uh, the individual confronted them or, or alerted them to that they were close by, uh, and the suspect took off running. Uh, our officers immediately got into the area. Uh, foot pursuit ensued with them. The subject did not stop for them. We were able to catch this individual, um, and he is a suspect in multiple uh, stolen vehicles and uh, larceny from vehicles all over Southeast Michigan. Uh, his most recent was he was caught in a stolen vehicle not too uh, far away from here, just a few weeks pr uh, prior to our arrest of him. Ironically, his criminal history for his first felony was committed back in 1983. Uh, we're talking almost 40 years of being a career criminal uh, in these types of property crime felonies. And what is important about this is um, obviously we 
have a rash of cars being broken into and stolen. Uh, like we, we talked about our last podcast, I think there's been more stolen cars this year than we had several years combined. Um, and we're, and we're making good progress on those cases. We've made several arrests with our uh, community partners, but it's an important to point out how we caught this individual. And that was because of the partnership we have with our community. We had a resident outside who witnessed something, they acted, again, we don't want them to confront them physically, but they called us immediately. Um, and we were able to get cars in the area and make that arrest. So those are very important, and it just shows how important the extra eyes are. Our police department is, is, is a successful police department, but we're much more successful when we have the, the community partnerships. So we, we appreciate you attending or listening to the podcast today. If you have any information or need information from us, our dispatch non-emergency line is 248-433-7755. Again, that's 248-433-7755. Or you can go to our website, www.bloomfieldtwp.org. We thank you for listening to the second podcast, and we'll see you in a couple weeks.